Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Hello, everyone. This is Rosie Tran, and welcome to Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weibo.tv special report sponsored by our friends at DuckDuckGo. You may have heard my voice at the end of every episode on Weibo.tv. I'm the one asking you to leave a review. Which, by the way, I hope you've done, right? You've left us a review? Okay, great. Unless you're lying. <clears throat> well, I'm a lot more than a voice. I'm also Weibo.tv's intrepid reporter, and over the course of this miniseries, I'm going to share with you short, actionable tips you can use to protect your privacy. These tips were sourced by our fearless leader, he really hates when we call him that, BJ Mendelson. BJ, for those of you who may not know, is the author of the book Privacy and How We Get It Back, a book that was published in the before times. This means before COVID. BJ is currently writing a sequel called How to Protect Yourself from Fascists and Weirdos. So everything we're going to hear in this miniseries is the most up-to-date information he's researched, bringing us into 2023 and beyond. Throughout the series, you're also going to hear from some special guests and experts in the information security field. You hear that sound? That means it's time for today's privacy tip. We think everyone should be using ProtonMail, period, full stop. But there are over a billion people who use Gmail. And good luck convincing a billion people to do anything, let alone switch email service providers. There are only three things you can get a billion people to agree on. One, it should be called football, not soccer. Two, Climate change is bad. And three, that the final season of Game of Thrones sucks. If you're using Gmail and you followed our directions from last week to secure your account, you don't need to switch to ProtonMail. But if you're not using Gmail, get over to ProtonMail immediately. They offer full end-to-end -end encryption so almost all your messages are kept private and secure. And the company itself can't see the contents of your email. Now, is ProtonMail perfect? Nope, no services. But is ProtonMail more private and secure than what you're currently using? You bet your sweet ass it is. So, if you do make the switch to ProtonMail, there are three things we want you to do. You can try them out for free or subscribe to the paid tier. The paid tier includes Proton VPN. This is the VPN service we would recommend everyone have on their phone and use whenever they're not at home. Now, once you're logged into ProtonMail, make sure you go into your account settings and do the following. One. Disable remote images. This way you can see all the links in your email to ensure you know what you're clicking on. Two, disable auto contact storage. We'll get back to the suggestion in just a moment. And three, finally, we want you to bookmark beta.protonmail.com. Use this page when you want to log in to ensure you're using the latest privacy focused features. Okay, let's backtrack to why you want to disable auto content storage. This reason is pretty simple. We want you to keep your most important contacts offline in your privacy notebook. This may sound tedious if you need to send a lot of emails, and that's true. So here's what you should do. If for some reason you need to send a lot of emails, you can also keep your contacts stored in one password. This is less secure than the privacy notebook, but more convenient. We have one more tip this week, and you can do this on either the free or the paid plan with ProtonMail. 
The service works best when you're emailing another person with a ProtonMail account, but what if you want to email someone who doesn't use it? Let's say you're BJ and you have a ProtonMail account, but you need to email something to your dad who is still using Hotmail despite everyone's best effort to get him to switch to something else. Listen, at 74 years old, he's gonna do what he wants to do, you know? So what should you do? Anytime you need to send something sensitive, follow these steps. Go into ProtonMail and create a new message. On the bottom of the new email window, you'll see a lock. You wanna click on that lock. You'll then get an option to create a password for that specific email that you're sending. Make sure you write that password down in your privacy notebook in case you need it. Once you've set the password, you'll see a box near the subject line. That box will tell you when this email expires. Once it expires, it's gone and nobody can access it. We recommend setting the expiration to no more than three days for any email you send like this. This is the best way to email sensitive information to someone. But we should note whenever possible, if you need to keep something secret and safe, use Signal or a Hobbit. But hobbits are known to be unreliable and can take up to 20 years to complete a single job. That's what happens when your union is filled with wizards. Are you still listening? We hope so, because we have a special surprise. Back in 2017, BJ's first book on privacy came out. It was called Privacy and How We Get It Back. Broadway actor Roger Wayne did the narration for the audio edition of the book. Our editor, Andrew, was nice enough to go through the audiobook and pull out the sections that are still very much worth sharing with you today. So if you stick around and listen to this miniseries, after every privacy tip, you'll hear another excerpt from BJ's book, Privacy and How We Get It Back. Take it away, Roger! 10. Stealing Your Shit Since we looked 100 years into the past to see how this whole privacy issue got started, it's worth taking a peek into the future as well. Not a hundred years into the future, mind you, but definitely over the next decade or so. Long after books go extinct and people put on those weird helmets from Demolition Man to f The good news? By looking at the past, we already know how the future is going to play out. But before we get there, we need to take a quick stop to talk about hackers and a couple of other things I had on my checklist for this book to touch on. When the contents of this particular chapter were discussed, I had intended to talk to you about LulzSec and Anonymous, but they're not really things anymore going into 2018. So I'm just going to acknowledge that whole deal here quickly before moving on. Some could argue that Anonymous was never really a thing at all, but I'm not going to go anywhere near that argument. That's because what gave groups like that power is the lax attitude many companies exhibit toward data security. Okay. That and the fact that people are still really awful at creating and safeguarding their passwords. And that's one of our biggest issues moving into the future. The incompetence and laziness on the part of companies to secure our data from criminals. Not that we're immune to this incompetence. I'm looking at you, person who used password as the password for their Netflix account. Remember that big Sony Pictures hack that was committed, potentially by a state-backed group of hackers from North Korea? Regardless of who was responsible for the hack, it doesn't matter for our purposes. Sony employees had a file called Passwords, and you can guess what was in it. Spoiler alert, it was Passwords. So, whoever was behind the initial data breach was able to do way more damage than anticipated upon discovering that file, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. 
This is the digital equivalent of going to rob a bank and finding that the people in charge of security left the vault open for you. As dangerous as the media wants you to think hackers are, don't forget about those lazy security measures, or that no one wants to spend money updating security software. As sophisticated and inexpensive as hacking tools are getting today, this is the reason hackers can do so much damage in the first place. That's why we need to push for heavy fines, and maybe even jail time in some cases, for companies that don't take protecting your data seriously. I don't want to see anyone go to jail. But if there are zero consequences for a massive data breach like we saw with Yahoo and Equifax, then we're going to continue to see more events like this happening in the future. Funny thing about the Sony hack, Sony had just spent a lot of time and money upgrading their security infrastructure, or so they claimed after the hack anyway. But you figure if the company was that concerned about securing their files, they wouldn't have had an easily accessible folder called Passwords just sitting there for someone to find. As another example, it wasn't too long ago that the director of the CIA's personal emails were being published by WikiLeaks. We're going to skip over the whole, but what about Hillary's emails thing? How did WikiLeaks get this information from the CIA director? The person responsible for providing that information to WikiLeaks used good old-fashioned social engineering, calling and pretending to be someone else, in this case, a Verizon employee and the director himself, to get the email password. Again, the hacker didn't do anything sophisticated here. Clever, sure, but this Mr. Robot slash magic evil hacker image we have in the media is bogus. Most hackers I know aren't looking to f*** with you, but like any profession, there are great people and assholes to be found among them. It's the assholes, often the minority of that group, that give everyone else a bad name. It's sort of like how most priests are decent people you can leave your kids around. This is just another great example of companies being lax and people being careless about protecting their data. With two-factor authentication enabled, the hacker shouldn't have been able to access the CIA director's email account at all. I was also supposed to talk to you about WikiLeaks, but the fact is Julian Assange is very good at getting publicity for himself, and that's about it. He hasn't really done much of anything beyond release what other people have given to him. And if not for major media outlets going through the files that were put out by WikiLeaks, no one would know what they were putting out into the world. So, forget that guy, is what I'm saying. I mentioned elsewhere that Tor is an excellent tool you should use to help cover your tracks when you browse the internet. But let it be known that if you're doing something bad, or something you probably shouldn't have done, you will be found. Tor is commonly used to share information with WikiLeaks which has brought it to the attention of many security organizations. This goes into the whole, the internet is magic line of thinking I like to talk about, where we think the stuff we use online is flawless and the companies who provide it to us can do no wrong. Yes, people still believe that. And some of those people might think, if I use Tor, I'm anonymous. Well, yes, but what about all the stuff you do on your computer when you're not using Tor? All it takes is one little slip and your anonymity what of it actually existed, and any benefit you had from using Tor goes right out the window. I'm a Facebook hipster. I then deleted my Facebook account and then re-upped it in 2005 and have not been able to get off the stupid thing since. So, so why can't you get off? So wh <laughs> what are your... <laughs>
<laughs> you guys. <laughs> the award-winning Smashing Security Podcast, hosted by Graham Cluley and Carol Terrio each week. It takes an irreverent look at cybersecurity and online privacy, helping you find out what's happening with your data. Find it in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps, or at smashingsecurity.com. It's not all filth. That brings me to the last item I was supposed to cover, before we get to the thing I'm going to talk to you about. That's the deep web, not to be confused with the dark web, which is not the same thing. You use the deep web all the time. In its most basic sense, it's a term that refers to things not easily found via a search engine. That's all the deep web is. So, for example, I'm writing this chapter in a Google Doc, which can't be accessed unless I give the link to someone or share the document publicly. This doc lives on the deep web. The dark web, or dark web, is a tiny pocket of the deep web. And you'll be pleased to know that, according to the Tor project, fewer than 3% of people who use Tor, which is required to access the dark web, actually do access the dark web. And only a fraction of those people participate in criminal activities. Take that, lazy TV show writers. What happens when my data's stolen? This is the question we're all going to have to face in the future. We've established in this book that your data has immense value. Tech companies and their business partners will stop at nothing, even if it means being creepy, to get as much of it as they can. But like nearly anything that has value, your data is being lusted after by far more than just them. Case in point, a week after I was approached to write this book, I had a letter on my desk from Experian informing me that an unauthorized party had gotten into their servers. As a result, my information, along with numerous other T-Mobile customers, who Experian had run credit checks on behalf of, had been stolen. This includes my date of birth, social security number, name, address, and driver's license information. This isn't the first time I've received a letter like this, in fact, over the past few years in the United States, if you're a Target or Home Depot customer, or happen to have your insurance provided by one of the many brands of Anthem Incorporated, then you've gotten one of these letters too. And if you're in the United Kingdom, do I have to say anything more than talk talk? If you're wondering what you can do about any of this, the answer can be found again in the EU's GDPR regulations. These issues involving your data are often the result of lax security practices on the part of the company hosting it. Under GDPR, these companies can be fined for lax data security. We need consequences here in the U.S. too. Otherwise, you get what you see over on Wall Street, where they're back to doing the same stuff now that they were doing to cause the Great Recession. No consequences, no change. Businesses are not your friend. The days of my grandfather's store are long gone. Small businesses aside, the large companies that thoroughly dominate our lives are always going to err on the side of saving money instead of spending it. And that should be a crime. And here's a further kick in the... Less often occurring, but no less important, is the increasing amount of sophistication on the part of the few... 
hackers who access your data. They're going to wisely take advantage of dumb companies. Truthfully, though, I'm less concerned about them than I am about an ex-employee looking for revenge against the company they feel slighted by. Criminals you can, and in this case, should punish. Greedy and incompetent corporations included. The only difference is, we have laws on the books to go after criminal hackers. Ryan Collins, who may or may not have been one of the hackers involved with the leaked nude celebrity photos I told you about previously, was sentenced to 18 months in prison for phishing and attempting other methods to access the photos and other information. One of those methods involved using a program, one that the Apple patch would have stopped, to download all the contents from the iCloud accounts he targeted. Collins went to jail, and everyone forgot about Apple's little oopsie and Reddit benefiting from hosting those photos. Plus, and this might sound ridiculous, because I do take hackers seriously, but you would be surprised by how often the answer to the question of who hacked Company X is, it was a former employee, instead of the vague and malevolent-sounding hacker's answer. Just ask Morgan Stanley. That company saw thousands of clients' data accessed illegally by an ex-employee. I encourage you, the next time you hear about some huge data breach, to dig deep into the story over the course of the next month. Then, as you do so, you should take a drink every time you read the line, Ex-Employee Suspected. If you look real close at most big security breaches, more often than not, you'll find that an angry ex-employee or lax security on the company's part is at fault, not an evil hacker type. Initial reports might say it was a hacker, but if you keep up with the story, you'll often see it change from hacker to hacker plus bad security to ex-employee as the true culprit. Tired of being tracked online? DuckDuckGo can help. Tracking is a comprehensive program. Trackers lurk nearly everywhere online from websites, emails, and even apps in your phone. That means you need a multi-pronged solution. DuckDuckGo's all-in-one privacy app can be used as an everyday browser with private search, tracking, blocking, encryption, and now email protection built in. It's the free, easy button for online privacy. Download the app today. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Thank you for listening to Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weiwo.tv special report. I'm your host, Rosie Tran. Today's episode was written by BJ Mendelson, produced by Andrew Van Voris, and sponsored by DuckDuckGo. Due to the overwhelming demand for privacy audits, we want to make a quick announcement before we go. Doing one-on-one privacy audits is super time-consuming. This means BJ has less time to write these episodes and the new book, How to Protect Yourself from Fascists and Weirdos. So... Along with his co-author, Amanda King, BJ is currently putting together an online course called Stupid Sexy Privacy, which you'll be able to purchase here at stupidsexyprivacy.com. The course will walk you through every privacy tactic discussed in today's episode in greater detail. If you'd like to know when the course becomes available, you can email BJ at bjmendelson at duck.com. The email address again is bjmendelson at duck.com. And we'll see you next time, right? <laughs>